Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to have you here. If you're a guest, maybe you're looking at the screen going, wow, that's kind of interesting. They've got a picture with cracks all over it. <laughs> Everything's broken. Well, how many know we live in a world that's got a lot of cracks and brokenness? Amen? So we're in a series called The Family Portrait, and I just want to welcome all of you. My name is Jared Meng. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so excited that you're with us today. I want to welcome, you know what's cool is that not only is our church family here, but we have people in homes around the world, someone named Blanca, I haven't got a chance to meet her, is watching on her iPad. We have Pittsburgh, Houston, Los Angeles, Palm Springs, Sweden. Can we hear for all of our church family that's joining us around the world? Isn't that cool? Wow. Awesome. We're excited that you're with us today. Let me just say one thing before we dive into the message today. Uh, first of all, it's an honor to have my parents here. Um, my dad and mom are with us. So excited that they're here today. What an honor. And then, um, you know, inside your program, if you'll take a moment, there's a, a card there called the Legacy Card. And if you'll take a look at that, God's blessing us. This week, we hope to get the permit to start building our brand new campus um, next door, we're building um, Kid Venture, a place for children to go to get the foundations and principles they need in life to go into the world and make a difference. Whether they're a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, a pastor, a missionary, I mean, you know that God wants us to go into the world and make disciples. And so we want to do that. And this facility is being built out with kind of a Disney theme. Um, park kind of feel. It's amazing. And we can show you more in the days ahead. But if you're interested in being involved, God's blessed us with some people who have said we'll step up and give a matching fund of $400,000 if Higher Vision can raise $400,000. And that's about what we need to build out that theme park. So if you're interested, would you look at that and pray about it? Maybe God could use you to help us build a place to awaken faith and imagination for people to go into the world, for our children to go into the world and make a difference for Christ. Amen. You know what, today um, we're going to dive into this new series called The Family Portrait. And as you can see, um, every week we have a different family that, that we have on the screen. And this week I decided again to pull up a picture of my family. So uh, you can see right there, this is uh, my family. And it was back several years ago when my kids were little. And we're at the happiest place on earth, Disneyland. Anybody like Disneyland? Now, I showed this picture because it's cute, and I wanted to show off my kids and my beautiful wife. Um, but here's the other thing. A lot of us, we look at families, whether it's a Christmas card or an Instagram post, and we tend to see everyone's highlight reel, but we don't see all the pictures that are left on the cutting room floor. Many times we look at the pictures that have the Photoshop where they take out all the blemishes. blemishes. They have the filters that make us look tan. But what we don't realize is that we're comparing ourselves, ourselves to something that's not real. Because we're comparing ourselves to the best moments. But how many know that in life we have good moments and bad? So this series called The Family Portrait is to peel away the filters. To figure out what are we doing? What things are we buying into that the world does? And we've been looking at families in the Bible. And so um, when we look at the Bible, here's the cool thing. The Bible takes the filter off and it takes the Photoshop off. And we get to see the imperfections as well. And so we're going to look at some families again this week and next week. But I'd like you to stand as we read our theme verse today. I want to invite you, those of you joining us online. Psalm 127, verse 1. Let's read this together out loud. Can you say this with me? Here we go. Unless builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Will you close your eyes? Holy Spirit. I thank you for your presence that's been here. Lord, as our amazing worship team began to lead, Lord, we, we sensed that you were just right here. 
sometimes it's good to know that we're not alone, that you're with us. Because sometimes ourselves, our, our bad decisions, or just the world can beat us up. But Lord, it's good to know that you're with us. We thank you for your presence. Anoint this message. Anoint us to hear and receive this message. Lord, we want to build healthy, happy homes that honor you. So say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Higher Vision, listen, I want you to know how much I love you and my family, we love you. And such an honor to be a part of your lives and to see God do what he's doing in you. And we're not perfect. We're just like that family. We've got cracks and issues that we're working on. And, you know, the scripture says, unless the Lord builds the house. The key is that God is in the building process, but sometimes we disqualify um, our families from that verse because we're like, well, maybe you're here and you're older and your kids have grown up and are gone. Or maybe your kids are already old enough to kind of, they're on their track and on their course already. And so we see the cracks in the foundation of our homes. We see the walls that might be tilted <laughs> and we start thinking, well, that verse isn't for me. But I love the verse because in the middle of it, there's a word which says build. And in the Hebrew, it doesn't just, or in the, the Hebrew, it doesn't just mean to build, it means to rebuild. So this verse is saying that not only can the Lord build the house, but he can rebuild the house. Anybody thankful for that? Anybody want God to be in your home and in your family? There's another verse that we've been looking at, and it's Psalms, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3, and here's what it says. It says, through wisdom a house is built, and by, what's the next word? By understanding it is established. I love this verse as well because we know that God wants to establish our homes. The word establish in the Hebrew, it means to stand up and to make stable. But if we're going to stand it up, if we're going to reach our potential and we're going to have a stable home, it has to be established. Now, the word um, understanding is the key to that establishment. And understanding in the Hebrew, it means wisdom, it means intellect, but it also means to distinguish. And I'll explain it this way. If you've ever brought a piece of furniture home from Ikea and you needed to build it, if you just take all the parts out and start building without looking at the directions and then putting all the pieces in place and counting to make sure there's enough of every piece, you're going to end up building something that's cockeyed or missing a piece and it's not going to be what it was intended to be. So through distinguishing intelligently, you're able to build strong. And so when we see that verse, we know that God wants to be a part of the building process and he wants us to have the wisdom to distinguish what are the things we need to build a healthy, happy, strong home that honors him. And so we've been looking at that. Last weekend, we looked at some families in the Bible. We looked at Abraham and Sarah. And we learned that in life, we can end up buying into what other people do, and we put some things into our lives that really aren't the best thing. We learned last week about, and I used the idea of hashtag, because if you've ever followed someone on Instagram, it's hashtag this or hashtag that. They Twitter, it's hashtag this. So last week, we learned some things not to do and to do. Um, one of the things we learned last week was hashtag taking matters into your own hands. And we learned that was one of the problems with this home is they got in trouble because they took matters into their own hands. We also learned last week the idea of hashtag playing the blame game. And they pointed the fingers at each other. But we also learned last week hashtag commit it to the Lord. And that the key to God blessing and changing and redeeming is we have to give it to him rather than point it out, take it back, get it, take it back. But through relationship, we build this relationship of trust where we put it in, hand, in the hands of God. 
So today we're going to continue on the story, and we're going to learn now about their son, Isaac, his wife, Rebecca, and their two sons named Esau and Jacob. They're twins, fraternal twins. Esau is redheaded and burly. He's hairy all over. All right, he's got hair all over. And then you have Jacob, who isn't hairy, and he likes to kind of be around the house and help there, while Esau likes to go out and hunt. This is where we pick up on the story in Genesis chapter 25. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I am starved. Give me some of that red stew. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, Okay, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all of his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. But look what it says. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. And when we read this story, here's the first thing. We're going to kind of work through some of this story today. The first hashtag or principle that we need to learn, and it's not one that we need to do, it's one we need to avoid if we're going to build a strong, healthy home. And that is, we need to avoid this idea, which is hashtag live for the moment. Hashtag live for the moment. Now, let me just stop and say, I'm all for making memories. Does anybody like to make memories? Come on with your families, you go on vacation, and you do fun stuff. Last night, we had this party for my niece. She turned 18. We were down there eating and dancing and having a great time. And uh, we went on vacation as a family a couple years ago to Hawaii. And while we were there, before we left, we decided we were going to do something. We do this kind of thing when we go on vacation. Here was our decision. Every time we come to a stoplight, we're going to do a Chinese fire drill. I remember doing Chinese fire drills. So here we are. Now, again, you know, Macy's 21, going to be 22. So she's 20 at the time. You know, I got older kids. So we get to Hawaii, and, man, we get to the stoplight, and <coughs> first thing we do, we all get out of the car. And, ah! We run around the car and do a Chinese. We're laughing. And it was hilarious for the first three times, but they were there two weeks. <laughs> and by the end, it was like, oh, no, here we go again. But I have to tell you, we look back at that vacation with so much fun. Because we made a memory. In fact, we live in a culture, right? And the culture is YOLO! Right? YOLO, you only live once. So let's go have fun. Let's live for the moment. I, I, I saw this funny thing that was YOLO, and it was about Jesus. Let me show you. It's like Jesus, YOLO, and then he's resurrected from the dead. And it's hashtag just kidding. I thought, thought it was pretty funny. Pretty funny. YOLO. Devette used to have on the back of her car this really cool bumper sticker that said, it was actually on their license plate, and it said, life's short, buy the shoes. <laughs> a lot of fun. And, you know, we live in a culture, and that's what it is. Let's make a memory. Live for the moment. Woo, YOLO. We want to have fun. And unfortunately, what happened is in this story, that's what Esau did. And because he hashtag lived for the moment, what he didn't realize is he had a condition called nearsightedness. You see, he says this. Let's look what he says. 
He goes, what good is my birthright, or my birthright to me right now? In other words, I'm really hungry. I'm starving, and so I want to eat. And what good is a birthright down the road when I, I can live for the moment? I can eat what I want right now and enjoy it. My appetite is asking for it. And so what we end up doing is we don't realize our nearsightedness, which here's what nearsightedness is, is it's the ability to see distinctly at a short distance. And so we buy into the culture and we don't realize that because of the things we do now without thinking about down the road, without looking from a farther perspective and seeing what's happening down the road, we live for our appetite now and so we end up leveraging our future and now we don't have any resources for tomorrow because we've used them all up for today or we've broken that relationship. And again, you know, we've all been there and we've all done those things and so because of our nearsightedness, we end up focusing on the stew. Man, that stew looks good. I think we can all relate to that bowl of stew. You know, let me tell you real quick what a, what a birthright was. A birthright was basically the um, double portion of inheritance. So if you were the firstborn, you got a double portion of the inheritance. Secondly, you got the authority to be the executor of the property. So you had legal authority to make financial decisions for the property and for the inheritance. Not only that, you were the spiritual leader. So you made spiritual decisions and you were guaranteed the father's special blessing. And what happened is Esau got so nearsighted, he got so caught up in the moment, and we've all been there, that suddenly what happens? Now he's forfeiting his blessing, his double portion, all, that th- all the things that God wanted to bless him with, he was giving them away because you only live once, live for the moment. How many times have we, like Esau, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have this little website that I keep going to, nobody will ever know. Or maybe it's, um, I'm going to just keep working and in just a few more hours, my kids, it won't really make a difference, they don't mind. It's just one more drink, can't hurt anybody. I'm young. Everybody, you know, experiments when they're young. It won't really matter later on. We we can go through the list. The problem is, is that we become Esau, and we live for the moment. And so my question is, and here's what the scripture says about him. It says that he showed contempt for the rights of the firstborn. The word contempt in the Hebrew basically means to not value. How many times do we not value the things that God has waiting for us because we're so nearsighted, we're living in the moment? So here's my question for you. What is, in your family, in your home, your bowl of stew? What is the bowl of stew that the enemy uses? I like what the scripture says in Proverbs 19, verse 2. It says this. It says, it is not good to have zeal without knowledge nor to be hasty and miss the way. You know, the other interesting thing, and I'll, I'll do this quickly, but it's not only when you live for the moment do you become nearsighted, but when you live for the moment, you, you begin to exaggerate. Because if you read what he said, look at what he says. He goes, look, I want to eat this stew because I am dying of starvation. How many know he wasn't dying? I mean, it felt like, anybody here ever felt like you were that hungry that you were going to die? 
well, we have. Man, I'm, if I don't get some food, I'm going to die. And here's the crazy thing. He began to believe his own deception. Gosh, I've been there. You begin to believe your own, your own deception, and you've exaggerated it so much that you begin to buy into it. And then what happened? Remember the children of Israel? They got to the promised land. They'd been delivered out of Egypt. And Moses sent the 12 spies in, and while they're there, they come back, and they're like, we can't go in and take the promised land. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. They believed their exaggeration. I mean, no, they, they weren't grasshoppers. They weren't that small. But they believed their deception and exaggerated it so much that guess what? Not one of them, other than Joshua and Caleb, ever went in and experienced the blessing that God had given them. And I just wonder today, how many of us have missed out on the blessing? We're missing out on things that God wants to bring into our homes, and it's because, hashtag live for the moment. That's, that bowl of stew looks good. Go ahead and pass it over here. God wants to bless your home. Amen? Y'all still with me? Say amen. amen. All right. Let's go on and continue the story. Genesis chapter 25. There's some, some more great truths here. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a more quiet temperament, um, preferencing to stay at home or preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought to the home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So here's what we had. We had a home where one dad kind of loved one and was kind of, you know, f- uh, that, that one was his favorite. And then the other one loved the other more. I mean, they loved them both, but that one was their favorite. So when I thought about it, here's the other filter or hashtag we need to be careful of that we don't buy into. Because we've learned hashtag. And what was point number one? Hashtag live for the moment. Thank you, one of you. The rest of you, not quite sure. What was, what was, what was the first point? Live for the moment. Okay, good. There's about 80 of you. That's better. All right, we're getting there. Hashtag two, get on the same page. Hashtag two, get on <clears throat> the same page. You know, it's funny because my kids, and I have two of them here right now. Um, the other one, Hudson, I don't know why he's not in here. <laughs> Ushers, can you go find Hudson for me? Thank you. All right. Just make sure Hudson gets on the same page with me here. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that um, when I'm with them by myself, uh, sometimes, well, a lot of times, I'll look at them and I'll say, hey, now lean in, don't tell your brothers or your sisters, but you're my favorite. <laughs> and they'll laugh and smile, and they, 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 they laugh because they know that really they're all my favorite. And we laugh about stuff like that, but here's the thing. If you really do follow that principle, you're going to see with Jacob and, I'm sorry, with Isaac and Rebecca, that you can end up creating um, conflict, competition, jealousy, and you can degrade your home if you're not on the same page. Now, I'll break that down a little bit more, but let me show you a great verse in Proverbs 24. It says, these are the sayings of the wise to show partiality in judging is not good. So don't get caught up in the favoritism game, because if you do, here's what happens. Genesis chapter 27. Now, as we turn there, here's what had just t- taken place. Isaac is blind. He's, he's not too far away from dying, he feels like. So he tells his favorite, Esau, Esau, go out, get some wild game, bring it back, make a meal, 
bring it to me, I'll eat it, and then I'll give you the blessing. So as he's out to do that, watch what happens. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you to do. Go out to the, blo- the flocks and bring me two young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take, them, take the food to your father so that he can eat it and bless you before he dies. Now, how I many see we got some dysfunction going on here? All right? It's interesting because obviously they're not on the same page. Now, here's what you need to know. Isaac should have never been willing to bless Esau with that blessing because that blessing belongs to the one with the birthright. And Esau had sold that. So here's what I want to do. I want to take this story and I want to break some stuff down because this is filled with dysfunction. And it's filled with this idea of getting on the same page. Let me tell you one of the pages we need to get on. Ready? We need to get on the page of repentance. Here's why Isaac, I mean, here's why Esau wasn't going to receive the blessing. In fact, here's how it ends. Jacob is going to take the meal to his father. But he's like, Mom, if I do this, he's going to know it's not it's not Esau because my voice is different and Esau is hairy. You've seen him. He's hairy. He shaves every day. He's hairy. If he feels my arms or my face, he's going to know that I'm Jacob. And so his mom says, go out when you kill those, those goats, take the, you know, the hair or take the, the skins and put them on you. Wrap them around your arms and hands. And if he reaches out to touch you, he'll feel all the hair and you'll still get the blessing. And so he does. And he goes, and his dad smells the animals. He's like, well, it must be Esau. Come here closer. He feels him, feels the air. He's like, it must be. And so he blesses Jacob and gives him the blessing. And Jacob gets up and leaves. And just as Jacob leaves, Esau comes in with the meal. He says, Dad, I'm here. His dad said, what do you mean? You were already here. He said, no, no, I'm here. He goes, well, someone was just here, and they took the blessing. I already gave the blessing. He's like, no, 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 that must have been my brother. And, And he says, your brother stole the blessing. He's like, well, dad, bless me too. And his dad said, no, I'm sorry. I can't bless you. I already blessed him. The page of repentance. You see, here's the reason why I think Esau didn't get a blessing from his father. Because here's the deal. In the Bible, a father could bless more than one child. Now, they gave a special blessing to the one with the birthright. But if you look at Jacob, remember Jacob, he blessed all of his sons. Why didn't Esau get the blessing? Here's why, because he wasn't willing to repent. He never got on the same page. You say, well, where do you get that? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 17. Talking about Esau, for we know that afterwards, when he had wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, um, for he found no what? No repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. In other words, he made a mistake. He lived for the moment. He sold his birthright. And he cried about it, and he was sad about it, but he wasn't willing to repent for it. Regret is different than repentance. So could it be that maybe the reason that Isaac wasn't willing to bless him was because he never really repented of the fact that he had done what he'd done? And I just wonder right now, what is blocking your blessing? 
What is blocking the blessings that could be in our home? Could it be that we're not willing to repent before the Lord? We're not willing to get on the same page with God. Because God says, listen, it's not just saying I'm sorry. It's repenting. It's changing directions and surrendering to my plan and purpose for your life. I don't know about you, but how many want to walk in the blessing? Matthew 3.8 says, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Not only was it the page of repentance, but it's the page of unity. Get on the same page, the page of unity. Obviously, this home didn't have unity. These parents weren't unified in the way that they were disciplined in raising their children. Here's a part of the story you may have never heard before. It's, it's found in Genesis 25, verse 23. Here's what it says. When she was pregnant with these boys and they were rumbling around in her, in her stomach, she goes to God and says, God, what's going on? The Lord told her, the son in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. Now, here's why I wanted to show that verse. Now, let me just say, how many know that kids can divide you? How many know you just get one off, they come in, and they're like, hey, mom said that I could, dad, if you want, right? Here's the deal. When I began to think about this, I'm like, God, why did Esau offer to give the blessing that's connected to the birthright to Esau? Why did Isaac do that? And what I began to realize is I looked at what commentators said and and kind of studied it out. Most theologians believe, listen to this, that Isaac knew about the prophetic word that God had given concerning their sons. Isaac knew that God had said the younger son is the one that's to be blessed. The younger son is the one to have the birthright. The younger son is the one to have the blessing. But here's the reality. Isaac and Rebekah could never get on the same page. So there was disunity in the home. And we wonder why there's problems at home because mom and dad haven't been able to come together and work it out. You see, I wonder what would have happened in this story if Rebecca and Isaac could have sat down together and said, listen, I love Jacob and you know that God said Jacob is the one who's supposed to inherit everything. And and Isaac could have said, but I love Esau and that's not fair. And and then she says, but listen, that's what God said. Are we going to honor what the Lord said or not? And what if he would have said, you know what, maybe you're right. If God said that, then here's what we need to do because this is going to be hard for Esau. It's hard for me. Let's pastor Esau through this process. Let's let him know, hey son, I know sometimes things happen that aren't right and it doesn't feel fair that your brother's going to be in charge and he gets the double portion. But listen, God has a plan and God said he's going to bless you too. So why don't you just let God's will be done in your life and we'll still bless you and we'll still help you. And, and then mom can come along and say, Esau, I love you too and I'm sorry that God had it this way, but he has a plan. And, and, and then dad could have said to Jacob, Jacob, listen, you need to be humble and and you need to do things right and treat your brother with respect. What would have happened if they just could have got on the same page? And I wonder in our homes, what would happen if instead of buying into the culture of the world, we would actually get on the same page with God, get on the same page with each other and say, God, help us to build something that's strong and stable. That's good preaching, amen? Hallelujah. It's good preaching. Because if you're struggling with that, hear what it says in Matthew, or Mark 3, I'm sorry, 25. And if a house is, what's that word? Against itself, 
that house cannot stand. Hashtag, get on the same page. We want to give you our last point, and it's a real honor for me today because um, last week my son Tanner got to come and preach, and today I'm honored that my oldest daughter, Macy Ming, she's going to come and preach this last point to you today. She has a tremendous anointing for worship leading. Many of you know that, but she also has a gift to speak, and today what she's going to share with you is going to bless you. So welcome her. Will you do that? Love you, babe. Hello, everybody. Hello. How's it going, guys? Good? It's going good? Um, Well, my name is Macy. As he said, I am the oldest and the wisest of the Ming children. Uh, (laughs) um, And I know he said favoritism isn't a thing or shouldn't be a thing. And he also, last week, Tanner said that he was the favorite. But I would say that I'm the favorite on the days that Tanner has attitude or a smart mouth. Um, (laughs) But really, it's just an honor to be here with you guys and just kind of share what God was talking to Dad and I about this week. And... um, I have some great parents. Uh, my dad, you know, sets a great example. So does my mom. My mom is the definition of generosity. If you haven't met her, she's one of the realest people you'll ever meet. Um, she makes you feel comfortable to be who you are. And, um, and though I have great parents and great siblings, we're not perfect. And, you know, oftentimes you can see us on the stage. You can think, well, wow, what are they doing right? Like, they just seem to have it all together, but we don't. We're, we're dysfunctional just like everybody, and we struggle just like everybody. And we're learning, too, through this series. So I just want to encourage you with that, that as I'm speaking, as my dad has spoken, we're speaking to ourselves as well, and we're learning as well. So I want to take off on Genesis 32, verse 9. So to give a little backstory, um, when Jacob received the blessing, Esau was furious. And he said, as soon as my dad, as soon as Isaac passes away, I am going to find Jacob and I'm going to kill him. So Rebecca's like, Jacob, you got to get out of here. It's not safe for you. So she, she helps him prepare and Isaac blesses him and he leaves. So this is 20 years later. He's, he has two wives, literally sister wives, and he has children, and he has um, his acquired wealth. And um, so God says it's time to return home. It's time to return to your land. And so he's on his way back, and he hears that Esau, Esau is on his way towards him with 400 men. So, I mean, let's think about this for a second. The last time that he heard, that he saw Esau, Esau wanted to kill him. And now he's coming towards him with 400 men. Like, this isn't good. This doesn't look good. And so he's a little scared. So this is where we pick off right here. It says, then Jacob prayed, Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives. And you promised me I will treat you kindly. Oh, Lord, please rescue me from the hands of my brother Esau. I am afraid that he is coming to attack me. So the first filter was hashtag live in the moment. The second one was hashtag get on the same page. And the third filter is hashtag face the music. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say face the music. When I think of this, I, I always have soundtracks like in my head. So like songs for everything going all the time. And so when I, when I think of this, I think of the Jaws soundtrack, you know. Dun-dun. Uh, but Jacob, 
was called by God to go face the music. He, when he had left 20 years before, he had left um, this, this broken relationship, this unreconciled, unresolved relationship in his wake. And so God was calling him to go back and face it, to face Esau, to face the brokenness that had occurred 20 years later. And I feel like today God is calling us to face the music. Maybe there's a relationship that we left a long time ago and maybe we were wounded. Maybe it was a business partner. Maybe it was a sibling. Maybe it was a parent, an estranged parent. And maybe God, God wants us to go back to that place. And maybe it's not even a relationship. Maybe it's a circumstance that happened when we were younger, something that was spoken over us. Maybe we've walked in insecurity since then or whatever it may be. God wants us to face the music in our own lives. And oftentimes when, when we have dysfunctional relationship or an unresolved relationship, it can cause dysfunction in our hearts and in our lives, and it can trickle down into different areas of our life. You know, have you had a, a relationship where someone did you wrong, and so now you have a hard time trusting people? Or you develop habits because of those past relationships, those past circumstances. It makes me think of uh, my first car accident, which was so scary. And I was driving down Hillcrest, and it was, like, just starting to rain, so the ground was, like, you know, just, like, really slippery. And so I, like, turned at the bottom, and I swerved, and I was, like, young. So I was, like, oh, my gosh. So I, like, overcorrected. I spun. I hit the car, and then I spun again, and I hit the car again. And I was scared. My phone wasn't working, and I just wanted to call my dad, you know. Um, but how weird would it have been if, if I would have been like, oh, okay, just started driving my totaled car again on the road. <laughs> that would have been strange, right? Um, but I feel like sometimes in life we can, we can do that, right? We get in, we get in this, this circumstance that causes damage to us, causes damage to our heart. And instead of allowing God to fix those dents and to work it out, we just keep going. And we keep driving damaged cars that don't function properly the way they were intended to. So today, today God wants to fix those dents. He wants to bring wholeness and freedom to our lives. And we can't experience that wholeness, that freedom, until we allow him to take us back to that circumstance. It made me think yesterday as I was rereading the scripture, uh, Jacob it says, he said, return to your own land and to your people. When he left, Isaac had already blessed him. So when, as soon as Isaac had passed away, his belongings, everything, his, the land, everything that Isaac had belonged to Jacob. But when he left, he left all of that because he was fleeing. He was hiding, hiding from Esau, right? So for 20 years, he wasn't walking in the full inheritance or the full blessing that God had for him because he was hiding from that relationship. He was hiding from that dysfunction. And we cannot fully experience the promises of God unless we fully allow God into our past, into our relationships, into those broken places that maybe we've kept in this little tiny box, in this compartment in our heart. We're just not, no, God, you can go near anywhere else but not near that spot, right? What's cool to me as I was reading it is um, on the night before he saw Esau, 
He was terrified. He was so worried and so anxious that he couldn't sleep. And he, so he woke up in the middle of the night, and it says that he saw a man. And it says in um, common commentaries that that man was a manifestation of God. And the man said to him, what's your name? And I don't think the man was asking him or that God was asking him what his name was because he didn't know who he was or he needed him to identify himself. But I feel like he was asking him because he was asking him, who have you been? What have you been walking in? Because Jacob means deceiver. So when he said, who are you? And he said, my name is Jacob. He's saying, my name is deceiver. I am a deceiver. I have deceived my father. And he was acknowledging himself with his sin and what he had done, confessing that. And it was then in Genesis 32, 28, that the angel said, or that the Lord said, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. So it, was, it wasn't until J Jacob was obedient and he began to go back to that place. It wasn't until he acknowledged what he had done and his part in it that God began to change his name from Jacob, which means deceiver, to Israel, which means prince of God. So I feel like today God doesn't just want us to walk in the full blessing, but he wants to change our name, to change who we've been. This, this specific instance in Jacob's life had changed everything for him. He'd walked as the deceiver. He'd walked knowing that that's who he had been. He'd walked carrying that sin. But God changed his name in that moment. No longer was he walking under that. Now he had a new name. It was a new season, a new time for him. And so God has that for us. He has promises for us. He has blessings and inheritance for us. And all we have to do is allow God room and be obedient. Follow him into the hard places and the dark places. Allow him to work and renew. And not only will we be able to walk in that blessing, but he's going to bring us into the new too. Change our name. Change our DNA. Transform us. And the sweetest thing to me in this passage was that when he was in distress, God showed up to him. I feel like oftentimes we can get scared to face those things. That's why we keep it in a box, right? It hurts. It reminds us of our brokenness. It reminds us of our failures or of other failures. And we, we keep it there because we're afraid to go back there. Maybe we pretend it doesn't even exist. But when God calls us to go back there, he goes with us. And he walks with us. And we don't do it alone. And he provides everything we need every step of the way. And we can face it. Jacob could face Esau with a changed name. Not no longer walking in his past sin or what he had done to him. But walking in who, he, who God had called him to be. A changed man. So what I want to leave us with today is I want to pose the question, what area do you need to face the music in? How can you, how can we face the music in our lives? I want to turn it over to my dad. Thank you so much.
isn't God good? That even when we know we've failed or we know that we have a past, he doesn't let us walk into that past alone. He said, I'm going with you. And here's the cool thing. You got a new name. And I love what it says. And I'm going to bless you because you've overcome God. That was the wrestling with the angel. But then look what he said. And you've overcome man. He hadn't seen Isaac yet or Esau yet. So here's what he was saying. You're not going alone. And you're going to overcome. You're not going alone. And I'm going to give you victory. Today, God has a blessing and a promise for all of us. He wants our families to stand strong. He wants to heal our dysfunction. But as long as we live for the moment, as long as we can't get on the same page, we're going to struggle. But oh, if we just face the music, 